Aloha mai. Aloha mai kako. Welcome to Fresh Pacific. Today, from Hawaii, how our beloved indigenous dance form, hula, can survive and thrive into the 21st century. You'll see how the COVID pandemic triggered a reevaluation of the whole art form in 2020. A group of hula kumu, or teachers, determined protocols to keep their halau, or schools, safe and productive. They became the Lahui Kanaka system. Then, going deeper into what the art form of hula requires for full expression, the conveners developed the Huama Kahikina Declaration on the Integrity, Stewardship, and Protection of Hula. It's a work in progress, and our guests today say it's high time. Kumuhula Hokulani Holt is an esteemed community leader. She's been director of Hawaiian programs at Maui Community College. She was the first cultural programs director at Maui Arts and Cultural Center. That's where we met. Auntie Hoku opened her Halau Pau Ohiiaka in 1976. Cody Pata is an educator and cultural practitioner from Pukalani, Maui. He is Kumuhula of Kamalama Mahilani on Maui, Oahu, and Japan. A signatory to the Huamakahikina Declaration, Pueo says the statement evolved after Kumuhula from across Hawaii gathered to respond to the COVID pandemic. Could you kind of take it from there, Pueo? Sure. So, Mehano Kala Hind, she's a Kumuhula no Ahu, um, knew that there was a, a need for us to convene just to care for our Pacific Islander and our Hawaii community here back in August of 2020. She put the call out and there was about 60 of us, I think, that answered the call and we began to meet regularly, uh, whoever could meet every Sunday at that time. And the discussions led to uh, worries about hula in modern times. And so the decision was quickly made once we discovered that we had all of these same issues were happening and these same discussions were happening all over. Let's make a declaration. And so we ended up having it on a significant date, which was um, almost exactly one year from when we originally convened over COVID. It all circles around the whole idea of well-being. As Puello stated, we started meeting because of well-being and then the Lahui Kanaka and then those conversations about how else do we need well-being. And so those pocket conversations, of course, with Kubuhula, what then came out was those ways that well-being must exist in our work life, in our teaching life, in, in our community life. And then these conversations began to circle around those. And we sent out a Google form asking the Kubuhula what they think. And these kinds of topics began to surface but they're the same topics that has plagued Kumuhula for years and years and years with no result. And, and so we took everything and we decided, let's see what we can do to bring some result. These are, you know, profound questions about, you, def you define what is hula? What are the implications of the knowledge base? And you get to, uh, I think the, the key point, the, the, where you define a kumuhula and from that so much right, emerges. Talk about 
the kind of conversation that went behind that definition? Traditionally, being a kumuhula was passed on directly from teacher to student. That creates a kuleana, a responsibility to your teachers and their teachers, as well as to the future and your students. So traditionally, being a kumuhula was passed on directly from a teacher to a student who will become a teacher. What has happened over time is as hula began to spread throughout the world, some of that became less practiced, yeah? With that also arose the question about kuleana or responsibility to the past, to the knowledge you have acquired, to the teachers you have had, and then therefore how you carry that forward into the future and the students that you will have. Those definitions went back to traditionally how a kumuhula came to be. Well? Exactly true. It's about pilina, right? A relationship. And, and the formal relationship between a, a teacher and their student. Um, that not only does the student recognize their teacher as being the teacher, but the, the teacher recognizes that student as being the, the proper heir for the knowledge that they're passing on. And then it also becomes to that the level where um, once this student is ready to graduate, that others in the community, um, the, the Kumuhula's peers or other masters, and even the, the student's peers can recognize the authority given to that person to carry on the lineage. If you notice, the language in the declaration is broad enough to cover all ways in which that can happen. It can be quite formal and it can be quite informal. Both ways are viable. The important thing is what, what we talked about is that the master kumu has recognized and has presented, for lack of a better word, the new kumuhula to their peers and to the community as a whole. So um, it, can, it can happen a myriad of ways. The formal way is umiki, and that can happen a myriad of ways. Uh, the graduation, um, those of us who have family lineages, um, like myself, the family decides how that is going to be passed on from generation to generation. Um, and it varies from every family. But it's um, not just everybody who who umikis, right? Becomes a kumu, you mean? Is thereby anointed or there thereby can be a kumu? If, yes, the term uniki means to graduate. But there are also levels of graduation, just like you have B-A-A-B-A, M-A, Ph.D. There are levels in hula um, as well, and those are considered umiki, that you graduate from one level to the next. But the umiki into a hula can, can, uh, is, of course, the highest level in our cultural practice. And that can be done a myriad of ways as well. For example, I'm just gonna use myself as an example. 
in, in many family um, uh, lineages where it's passed on in the family, the senior, the senior humuhula can, can just say, okay, it's time, your turn. And, and which is what happened to me, my auntie and my mother called me and told me it was time I became a kumuhula and had my own halau. I was not enthusiastic about that. I wanted to dance some more, <laughs> but um, it's not something that really you can refuse. I mean, you can, but, <laughs> but you can't. <laughs> because if your kumu says so, then, then they have faith in you. And who are you to not have faith in yourself when your master teacher has faith in you? And so um, off I went and my mother and my auntie um, helped me to learn how to be a kumuhula and, and what to do. I, I had danced with Hoakale Kamauhu in Honolulu and she taught me how to teach. I would teach for her. But it was my ohana that taught me how to be a kumuhula in my family's church. Could you just talk about the range of what that might involve? Because that was another revelation that really kumuhula are keepers of a wide range of practices and knowledge. Can, can I interject something just into that system? Um, something that Auntie said was uh, what, once you're recognized. And so that you have the, we kind of compare it to the Western school system, but in Hawaii, this system solidified of the system of teaching solidified over 15 to 1200 years, you know, 1500 to 1200 years here. So it's pretty stable. And in this system, as is most traditional Oyahana, we don't teach to um, the proficiency level of satisfactory. I mean, you can, but to become a kumuhula, you have to be, um, have mastered whatever subject or whatever um, kumuhana is is presented to you you have to master that only once you've mastered that lesson and been able to exhibit it in a way that's that's satisfactory to your, your masters then you move to the next one and so by the time we graduate if we can make it to kumuhula so not all haumana who enter the halau or are accepted into the halau system will graduate as a kumuhula but any kumuhula who is who is released or or formally acknowledged that shows that they have mastered all of the requirements of their lineage, not just, oh, it, they're okay, they're proficient at it. No, we've mastered those things. I think, uh, Noi, if you know anything about Kumula, we are not satisfied with mediocrity. We are not satisfied with mediocrity. Um, Kumula only seek after excellence because that's what our teachers taught us. We must only seek after excellence. Um, you know, and, and continually redefine that. <laughs> so, you know, in your question, what are some of those? What was your question again? What was some it of was those? Like, you know, because you just wonder, um, you've made being a kumuhula is, is the kumuhula is kind of the, the defining point, the tip of the pyramid from which all the, all the other things come now. And um, 
as, and they're keepers of much more of, of different kinds of cultural knowledge. I guess that was what was so cool to find out. And so I was just re wondering about like, what is the range of, of knowledge that you would know? Because I know I've already talked to Pueo about Ilay and the yes. deep level, you know, his knowledge about simply how plants grow as a result, right? Well, you know, in, in I think in many Kumuhula opinion, Hula touch, uh, touches on every aspect of Hawaiian life. Every aspect of Hawaiian life, Hula touches on that because Hula was and continues to be the repository of information and knowledge relating to Hawaiian culture. So we, we must know about our environment in all of its aspects. How are you going to you talk to Pueo about lay. How do you make adornments for your hula performance or for your for your ceremonial um, activity if you don't know how the plant grow? If it's going to be available at this current time of year, um, where it's growing? Is it hot and and dry? So you have to know all aspects just of that, plus the many ways to make a lay. Um, in order for it to be appropriate for time, place, and situation. So that, that goes to everything, costuming, colors. How do you design these colors? How do you design this costume? How, how does it fit the melee? How does it fit the story or the history behind the melee and the story within the melee? How does it, how does it express all of that? Mm -hmm the language itself, the chant itself, or the music itself, how does that carry the ideas and the knowledge within the chant itself into the ear and the body of the, the one who is expressing it? So ceremonies, what kinds of foods are appropriate? When those foods are, why are they appropriate? What is the name connection to it in order for it to be appropriate. So almost, I say almost, but I think every aspect of, of Hawaiian life, a kumuhula needs to know in order to appropriately chant or dance one hula. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So our, one of our main uh, responsibilities as, as poehula is to become the property or the proper embodiment of the mele of whatever lyrical text that we're we're allowing into our body. And so nothing that we do can detract from the manna of that mele. And so anything that's extraneous detracts from it. So we want to ensure that our entirety, our entire being, physical, spiritual, mental, supports um, the, the process of it us being able to embody that mele. But then you have all of so if you, the the first definition in here is Hula is the multiplex of artistic, intellectual, and spiritual practices, perspectives, and products centered around the expression of mele through the bodies of formally trained dancers. The mele, the dancers, and their dance may each be referred to as hula. And so, so what that means, the multiplex is on any given, if, it's, if we have hula on Saturday and I tell my mom, mom, I'm going to hula, I can show up to class and we can be printing pa'u, we could be dyeing something, we could be making lei, we could be harvesting, we could be dancing, we could be chanting. The multiplex of hula, that's what hula is. As opposed to if I tell my mom, okay, I'm going to my ballet class now. 
I already know I'm going to show up with my little bag, um, exactly what to do, and then go on. And so there's no sense of environmental stewardship or environmental relationship when I go to ballet class. But in hula, um, that's one of our traditional responsibilities is to be environmental stewards and 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 on down from that. So we have to know all of these things, moon phases, weather patterns, winds and, and rains, so that we know what to expect when these things come. It, there's, there's so much more when we say we're going to hula or we're learning hula than if we were to say, oh, I'm going to jazz class. You know, it's funny, every time um, we talk about some things, like when Will just said, oh, winds and stuff, you know, in a melee, if they talk about the kawaloku rain, if you don't know that the Kaualoku rain is super heavy and floods the lands that it comes on, you cannot be doing this. Oh, I didn't know that. Those are the rains of Hanalei, right? Right. We cannot be doing this, this light, feathery, beautiful-looking rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to know that the Kaualoku rain and therefore dance appropriately to describe that rain. So, oh, so you were you what, folks were seeing these sort of odd combinations and people were doing motions and singing songs that just did not match out there. That must have been a little painful. No comment. <laughs> it, it was painful. It continues to be painful. But well, because I see here in the Ha'avina part, number yeah, five, all the articles, mm -hmm. the articles. Okay, 5.3 any dance performed not transmitted by a kumuhula, presented by a kumuhula's permission, or conforming to what we've just described as hula. That's not hula, you say. Yep. Do, do you, I mean, that's, do you expect some pushback on that? The, the pushback would be from people who have been perpetuating things that are not considered hula. And just, just for your understanding, the initial process for this declaration, we had about 40 to 60 people um, chiming in when we had our, our modification sessions from December all the way to August-ish. Then um, we had a strategy support team of one kumuhula, one strategist, and six lawyers um, fine-tune it into the draft that we sent to all registrants and then at, we modified and ratified this at our convention Kupukalala convention and there were 160 kumuhula who participated in the convention to actively modify and ratify this this uh, declaration and so the declaration ended up being unanimously ratified by all participants of the of the convention and then an additional 40-ish um, that we contacted after the after that um, the convention people who aren't so technically savvy and so altogether 200 linearly acknowledged kumuhula came together to say we unanimously ratify and support this as our statement about ourselves and so when when you asked um who's going to be affected or is there pushback going to occur from um, that particular statement, there there may be, but it, the pushback isn't coming from linearly acknowledged kumuhula. So so we, it's pretty safe to say that we touched nearly every single hula lineage um, that that we we know of. Um, their mamo or their descendants or people who have inherited those those legacies participated, and it was such a learning process because we we found <laughs> we didn't know that there were that many hula lines. So it was wonderful. Um.
were there people that you had to say, hey, I don't know if you can really be here because, you know, were there people like that? Hey, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Auntie, Auntie mentioned that we sent out a Google form and there, there were several um, ways that we were able to collect information formally. Google form. And then there's also the registration form for the, the convention where they have to list. Um, we, we already have the assumption that they are linearly acknowledged Kumuhula. But then when they go to apply, they'll say, I'm not really a Kumuhula, but we've been doing this. And so we have to say, oh, this, this isn't necessarily the, the right place for you, but perhaps there'll be another form later um, that we can all come together. Um, and so, so there were, there's that type of thing where they openly admit it. And then there's, there's the other one, every single name on there, if they're not just known as, as Kumuhula, like maintain the pilina between themselves and their own lines or the pilina between themselves and other Kumuhula, that's where we, um, the, the Leokahua Steering Committee, there's a nine member committee. We have our own networks that we activated to just say, hey, um, they list so-and-so as this and they're related to you. Can you confirm this? Yep, that, that's fine. And so that was a type of, one of the, the type of- um, Vetting. The vetting, yeah, vetting yeah, yeah, the vetting process, yeah, yeah to, to get through there. And, because, yeah. and, you know, we don't know everybody, even even though, you know, there were nine, nine of us that came from different lines. All of us came from different lines. So we had our own um, a bunch of folks we could check with. But, um, you know, Kula has been in Hawaii since Hawaii started. Since there was a Hawaii, there has always been Hula. Hula has never died. Like some of the other cultural practices that were almost lost, Hula has never died. Part of it is because we had very stubborn ancestors that refused to let it die and did it at home and in the country and within their own small groups when it was not popular or not even legal to do hula in public. So we had very stubborn ancestors that we are grateful for. Um, so hula has never died. So the number of people and lineages and opportunities for hula to exist has happened for generations upon generations upon generations. So to, to think that today we know every hula lineage is to me almost impossible, but we know a lot now because of this. Yeah, they, a lot of them agreed also to put their name in a database that Hua Makahikina can keep as well. So that's that's wonderful. We also worked in tandem with the Hawaii, or the, excuse me, the Hula Preservation Society. Uh, so there's there's so many wonderful things that can come from what we were able to do just through this one convention. It really seems like this declaration is a, a line that had to be drawn in the sand somewhere, sometime. It's like a spear thrown in the sand. This is, at least this is, this is here now. And I um, think and one of the important lines we drew in the sand is the, what we, what you see is the call to action and, and those kinds of statements like you were reading from the, the number five level is, is that you folks out there need to recognize Kumuhula as the folks that have these knowledge bases 
and have these recognized um, uh, awarenesses of hula. Oh, I'm going to say this, but, but oh, I don't know if I want you to quote this, but I'm going to say this as an example. The Samoan girl that learned hula at Polynesian Cultural Center is not the right person to teach hula at any given hula show in Hawaii. She is not a kumuhula. The right person to teach hula at any given hula place is a kumuhula. That doesn't mean that the someone girl can't become a kumuhula, but until she becomes a kumuhula, she should not be the one purveying hula. Right. Correct. So, you know, something too, like you asked um, the, about the pushback. Hua um, Makahikina is an, an open coalition for all linearly acknowledged kumuhula. Um, and we, we have organized to advocate for the, the integrity, stewardship, and protection of hula. And that includes um, hula being a, a tangible and intangible cultural heritage of the Ho, uh, po, you know, Hawaiian people. Yet, and, and it's the official state dance of, of Hawaii, yet there, are, there is little to no public funding or facilities for hula. Isn't that Agreed. funny, Noi? Yeah, isn't that funny? You have public funding for almost every sport in Hawaii, including pickleball and, and, uh, and skate parks, publicly funded, but no hula place. What would and a hula place be like? Hula what would any dance place be like? A building, an outside mm -hmm. section? I mean, there are, there are public buildings that can be that, but they aren't. Hula welcomes all ages, all ethnicities, the resident and the non-resident. Hula welcomes everybody. Mm -hmm. we, we don't refuse anyone. And yet, we also don't have support in many places. Just as a side note, Antihoko and I have also been working um, on designs for what these types of facilities for hula would look like that are specifically designed for hula from the, the things that we would grow, the types of cooking um, places that we would need, bathing, the types of bathrooms, and, and to host ceremony, to be able to host halal that, that's going to compete at Mary Monarch, to the smaller halal that don't compete. Those types of facilities specifically uh -huh. made for hula is what we would want. So the second thing is, because Kumuhula are responsible for paying their rent and whatever studio spaces that they have, that rent can be quite expensive, depending on the facility, which means that their tuition is high, which means that people in their own community might not be able to afford the tuition there. And so if we have these public facilities that where, where we don't have to necessarily pay a lot of rent for, um, that will lower our tuition and allow more people access to Hula. That's why I like you guys, because when the time is right, you have the plan ready. Okay, so help me with this part of it. All those kind of dancing that's done by people that are taught by we don't know whom. What's the other name for it? If you don't want it, you don't want it called Hawaiian dancing, do you? Hula hula. There's a specific term, hula hula. Oh. Really? With, a, with a lowercase h. We, we dance hula with a capital H. Hula, and then there's hula hula. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Those are those dances that are not hula's. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> I think so. Okay. So you see, Noi, when Fue and I get on our little soapbox, we could go on for hours. Good. I love it. You guys are great. Um, I don't know. What else? Are, are we good? I mean, you well, just were wonderful. One thing is for sure. We want to ensure that, that hula can thrive into the future. And so even the workshops that we held at our convention were based on um, educating Kumuhula registrants on, on hula in the 21st century. Things like nonprofit, things like um, digital platforms, research. research. Yeah. So, so we want to make sure that Huma Kahikina can continue to support linearly acknowledged Kumuhula who are members of our group. Uh, but it, the, it's basically, what if we were to provide insurance? How many Kumuhula do we know died um, underinsured and poor? So what about a retirement system or some type of, of thing like that? Um, it's why, why in a capitalist system, why are Kumuhula still expected to provide our services for free, right? To, to the state and, and county governments, to the federal governments, places like NOAA, uh, for, for the school systems, um, they still tap us. Oh, you're, you're an expert. Um, can you do this for free? And you know, to what Puel is saying is absolutely correct, is that people expect us to come when they call, expect us to come and do blessings, come and um, advise them in, in Hawaiian cultural outlook and behaviors, come and give um, testimony for Hawaiian cultural knowledge, it, it's expected and many of us do it and 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 do it gladly but you don't expect that of other experts you don't expect that from an archaeologist you don't expect that from an anthropologist you don't expect the same things from others that you expect the hawaiian cultural knowledge keeper to do and while at okay and i and i think it's all these years of colonization of the mind in which we have been told all these years that that hawaiians give freely we this is aloha you give freely but we forget that even in our ali'i Times. Our ali'i supported us. They gave us land. They gave us people to, to do our household chores so we could learn our chants, so we could teach our hula. They gave us places to live. They, gave, they supported their arts and their knowledge bearers. That doesn't happen today. And when a kumuhula asked, which we, we're, we're really uji about asking about money. We're just uji about that. Um, people look at you like, what, what do you mean you're asking to be paid? Don't you give this because of aloha? Well, aloha doesn't put food on your table. Exactly. You know, so, so those are, you know, for some, for some kumukula, I have to admit, these are hard conversations. They don't like to talk about this and they won't. And so those like 
of us who we don't mind <laughs> talk this, we, <laughs> we know that it is beneficial because of where we live now yeah. and how well, thank we you. live now. Thank you for saying something about it because, you know, people see Mary Monarch and they, they don't look, they, they're, they're afraid to lift up the curtain and say, how does this happen? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. So um, it, the declaration, I think, speaks for itself on the benefit um, that it has to our own moliola, which is our physical, mental and health, uh, spiritual well-being. It, the communities, the, the economic boosts and things like that. But nobody is going to advocate for kumuhula than us. Nobody's doing this for us. And so that's why we came together. And we, we mm -hmm. say in here, um, there's a lack of recognition of the traditional and cultural expertise of Kumuhula within conventional education systems and professional spheres, the inequity and in pay for and reduced consideration of Kumuhula in professional opportunities. Nobody's going to say that on our behalf. So we have to say it on our behalf. And for us to, to assert that our education is commensurate with Western forms of education and our credentialing is commensurate with Western forms of credentialing, and Tihoku pointed out, uh, amongst the ratifiers, you have every level also of, of people who are credentialed in Western systems from AA to, to um, PhDs to EDDs to um, whatever specialized credentialing that they have who are saying, I've gone through the system, but I've also gone through hula. I can attest that our training in hula is commensurate with these types of ed education and these types of credentialings. Nobody's going to say that for us except for us. I don't know what a guild really is, but is that a, a thing to do? This could be a good juncture to look at that. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think what will happen next, like uh, Puel talked about earlier, what will happen next is we will then joy, join together and think what are the next steps? What are the advocacy, advocacy steps we would like to take? What are the financial steps we would like to take? What are the, um, the, the organizational steps we might want to take? And that's still in, in discussion. Yeah, well, you guys got a process. <laughs> it seems to work. <laughs> it was a process. It was very enjoyable, but it was a lot of work. <laughs> Every week we met for over a year. Every yeah. week. That takes a lot. Yeah. And you know, Kumuhula, I, I think as, as a whole, we really are people who appreciate and love education. We love learning. We love being able to, to not only share that, but become that as well. And, and these times have taught us that if we don't continuously learn and look and grow, that we are doing a disservice to who we are as Kumuhula as well. We've been listening to Kumuhula Hoku Lani Holt and Cody Puel Pata sharing ideas from the Huamakahikina Declaration on the Integrity, Stewardship, and Protection of Hula. You can read the declaration yourself. We've got a link here with the podcast. Do all Kumuhula agree with this declaration? I was talking with one yesterday who was concerned about how beloved dancers would be, could be grandfathered in. 
there are concerns to be addressed. Antihoku Pueo and I talked in October 2021. Just three months later, they'd secured support from Maui County, including land for a hula center. These people dreaming ahead, planning ahead, so when the opportunity arises, they're ready. You'll hear Pueo with his famous phrase, Velakahau, the iron is hot, and this is just the beginning. This is going to be a space, the first one of its kind, designed for hula. Just to point out that we have here on Maui, we have a Filipino community center. Oahu has a Japanese um, cultural center. All it took was for those people to come together, demonstrate a need, and, and boom, they have facilities. And so um, it's, it was time for, for our hula community to do the same. This property, how much land is it and where and what do you want to do there? It's in the Ili Kupono called Pe'epe'e um, in Wailuku. Stunningly, you know, we didn't know that this, this was going to take place so quickly. Um, but Uavela Kahao, the, the, the iron was hot and so we're striking while it's hot, yeah. Really exciting. You know, what's going to happen next, do you think? The Maui Kumuhula have to organize. Uh, we've already agreed to start up a nonprofit. And so because there's going to be lots of um, funds, millions actually, that, that need to be managed for this, this initial push going. And so we, we've been very blessed to have a small um, injection of county funds to help get an administrator, to help get the, the, the ball rolling. But there's so many small steps, like the Kumahula are doing this for volunteer. So today, for instance, there's going to be graphic design and um, web design for the splash page that's going to be coming up. There's so many little details that you know, as Kumuhula, we're not familiar with, but this is the face that you see. We, we just smile and, and we make it look effortless, even though inside we're going, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> You're doing something different here. You know, I think of people farming interest groups and packs and lobbying and stuff, but mm. I don't know. We're, we're engaging the Pilina network, right? The relationship network that amongst Kumuhula, amongst um, other practitioners in the community, and even our relationships with the council members and the mayor himself uh, here on Maui. And so uh, because because it's about relationships, right? Um, first and foremost, the halal come together to, to form these relationships, to strengthen our bonds. Here on Maui, I think we're, we're outstanding because we all love each other. We all get along with each other. Luckily, we, we have all of our students too. We have graphic designers in our halal. We have web designers. We have anything that we need. So it's, again, engaging our network of, of Pilina that we'll get this done, along with our cooperation and um, the support from Maui County. Thanks for setting the example of how a community group can move forward. Oh, yeah, yeah. The name of the facilities is going to be Halau of OEV Art, because um, although it's, it's hula-centric, other art forms for which hula serves as a nexus will also be able to access the space and so on. But the acronym for that is HOA, H-O-A. And HOA means companion, partner, friend. It also means bound together because this is going to be the first building of its kind. But we want satellite facilities in all of the communities on Maui Nui. And we want that to serve as, as kind of the exemplar for um, the rest of Hawaii Maine. But to have a facility specifically created um, for hula, designed by Kumuhula for our needs, it's never been done before. You think about the Mary Monarch Stadium, right? It's held at the Edith Kanakaole Tennis Stadium. It's a tennis stadium. And, I, and we've heard the stories where Auntie Pua and Auntie Nalani, they say, oh, when did our mom ever, ever play tennis, right? Auntie Edith ever play tennis. 
Kumhul are tenacious and, and we also don't want any failures to reflect on ourselves personally, on our halal or our teachers. And so we have we have a you know different type of drive than I think most people would. Kumuhula Kodi Pata. Do you do you know what he means? So this is just a little of the behind the scenes of the Merry Monarch Hula Festival. What goes on? 2022 was the first time back after the COVID pandemic. All the flowers, all the spirit, all the aloha, our hearts overflowing with gratitude. Mahalo to Auntie Luana Cavelu and the Ohana who make it happen for love with aloha for hula. Hey, catch you Aloha Friday in two weeks. Okay, now that the triennial is wrapped, <laughs> Fresh Pacific drops every other Aloha Friday, okay? So far, so good. I mean, so far, so good. Let me know. Is this the kind of thing you like? What do you want? Message me on Instagram, okay? At Noetanigawa. I just don't have Fresh Pacific quite. Still having a couple issues there. <laughs> Talk about a work in progress. Mahalo. (laughs) Aloha.